2: so much hype, and it's for these kind of moments. Final get What a comeback in this first half, on
1: a day where it's simply raining goals. There's no apparent weaknesses displayed by Leverkusen this season. There's the crisp shot, fired in by Frimpong.
3: Leverkusen looking for that third goal. Is it going to arrive? It does!
4: And no great surprise that it should come from Grimaldo.
5: Welcome back. Uh, Here's a look at the weekend fixtures in the Bundesliga. On Saturday, we've got Bayern Munich hosting Union Berlin. Leipzig take on Heidenheim. Stuttgart faces off against Werder Bremen. And then on Sunday, a big one between Bayer Leverkusen and Borussia Dortmund at 11.30 a.m. You can watch all these matches on ESPN+. All right, guys. For the record, I just want everyone to know that Nico... Remains in the sin bin.
0: Sin bin, he is in the sin bin. 10 for, minutes, right? For the lucho, cu- cucho, mucho
5: goals mucho. statement. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, you know what, it's just too much cringe. Too, too much cringe on a too Friday. Much. We can't have it here on Morning Footy. All right, Nico, time's up.
4: I, I cringe saying it myself. So I understand. Your head was going down
3: as I, you started to say it.
4: Rightfully take the sin bin. How did
3: the sin bin feel?
4: Not great. I Not think great. It, it won't work. It won't stop me from more cringe jokes.
3: <laughs> you want another
5: one today, too. Oh, gosh. Got it. No more. You've hit your allotment.
4: There. Double yellow, I would have gone a red. See, Simbin, I'm back. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right.
5: Uh, let's chat about this match between Leverkusen and Dortmund on Sunday. Leverkusen are flying. They are unbeaten on this season. Uh, 11 wins, one draw. Sitting on top of the table, Dortmund coming off the big 3-1 win in Champions League midweek to AC Milan for Leverkusen. Nico, do you think that this is, uh, outside of their match against Bayern, which was a 2-2 draw, is this their biggest test so far?
4: Definitely. They haven't lost a single game by Leverkusen in all comps. They're playing in the Portugal, they're playing in the Champion, excuse me, in the Europa League, they're playing in, in Bundesliga, and we've said it so many times on the show, they have such an identity that is so strong that has permitted them to succeed in, in an incredible manner early on in the season. They have bounce in the midfield, they have a potent attack, they have lockdown defense that plays game in, game out. They heavily rotated uh, yesterday in Europa League, so it should be a fun one because Dortmund are finally picking up steam. They've clinched round the 16 in the Champions League, and although it's a little bit Inconsistent. Not, not the results, the performances, mm-hmm. the manners in which they when They go down 2-0. They come back 4-2 like they did at the weekend against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, I favor Bayer Leverkusen because I, I think they understand a little bit more who they are than Dortmund at the moment. Hmm.
5: Yeah, no, I can see that. You know, what's interesting about Dortmund is that they've scored seven goals in their last two games. Seven different goal scores. Seven different wow. goal scores. what does that say about the team right now?
3: I think they're on fire. I love seeing all these players come in. Their last game, Adiyemi came in and was saucy. I love to see it. So I think uh, my money is on uh, Dortmund. Actually, away. Yeah, I think that they're going to come in. They have good momentum right now. Um, their team goals have been impeccable. I think they're all playing with such good chemistry. Um, and. They're just at a confidence high. Like, this is insane to me. And he's coming off the bench. So imagine him and Brandt starting this next match. Even away, I I just think that they have such good confidence and it's going to be difficult to beat them. And Hummels as well. Mm -hmm. I thought he put in such a shift last game. He's the big man in the back making all of the tackles. I think you need someone to set the tone in matches, and he's that player that does that for them. So even away, I think he's the one that's going to lead and put up a good fight. I'm with Dortmund.
0: I just like the fact that this fixture is is delivering, you know, something to be very excited about. Mm-hmm. As far as the Bundesliga, a lot of times we're just talking about Bayern, just talking yep. about Bayern. Yeah. So the fact that Leverkusen is really inspiring the world of football, what, you know, you have Xabi Alonso doing as a former legend of, of the game and so young in his, or so early in his managerial career. I, I just love, I just love to see it. I again, I, I I I don't know. This one for me I, I, I'm leaning on the side of, of Leverkusen, mm-hmm. especially being at home and, and the way that, that they have been just quite literally perfect. I don't see Dormant going in and, and getting getting the job done, but it's it's gonna be an exciting one. And again, if you're Having more to talk about in the Bundesliga than just Bayern, for me, this is something that's always a plus for the Bundesliga at large.
5: Could not agree more. Bundesliga is fun mm-hmm. this yeah. season.
0: I
4: love the is Bundesliga. Is it like
5: Stuttgart? You look at what Stuttgart is doing after nearly being relegated last year? I mean, it's, it's very entertaining.
4: Low-key, for the last couple of seasons, if you take out Bayern and you look at the rest of the teams in the Bundesliga, it's always been fun, and they're, they're so honest to who they are mm-hmm. and they don't sell out because you can't sell out because the, <laughs> the club fans are owners of the club for 51% in many cases. But they're true to themselves and their identity and who they are. And I love that. That's football. Not Preach. state-owned clubs that have completely changed the Preach, Nico Tell us how you really feel,
5: Nico. Tell us how you really I, feel, I like, my I, guy. I like that the time, he didn't think it when he was in the sin bin. <laughs> yeah,
0: he did. He put the, the hand up here. A. let's go.
5: I love it. More of it. Um, all right, let's transition over to La Liga. Here's a look at the notable weekend fixtures we have on tap. Girona taking on Valencia on Saturday morning. Real Madrid will face Granada. Osasuna, Real Sociedad, Almeria versus Real Betis. Sevilla taking on Villarreal. And Barcelona against Atletico Madrid on Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Again, these matches on ESPN+. All right, let's chat about Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. Uh, historically, this is kind of a, a fun matchup that Barca has... has Historically dominated Nico, but in yeah. this installment, they're sitting third and fourth in the table. So what are you what are you looking forward to?
4: Let's remember that historically, although the series favors Barcelona uh, Atletico Madrid won a Liga with Cholo Simeone mm. at the Camp Nou. This game is not, gonna not be at the Camp Noume mm-hmm. It's gonna be at the Stadio Olympique de Montjuic um, and Atletico Madrid, I think, are the team that are a little bit more, a little bit of a favorite. And just because they're away. if they were home, I would say Atletico are the favorites here. Let's think about where Atletico Madrid was one year ago. Cholo Simeone was probably the most questioned in his entire tenure at Atletico Madrid. And they've managed to reinvent themselves. They're Atletico Madrid 2.0 now. They're playing well. They're playing confident. They have a great identity with Antoine Griezmann pulling the strings. It's incredible to see him flourish Mm -hmm. and and keep on getting better. And on the other side, you have Barcelona, where Xavi's not getting the most out of his players. And not Mm -hmm. only that, Joao Félix, who is Mm -hmm. an Atletico Madrid player on loan at Barcelona, is eligible to play. So there's a lot of... uh, in Spanish, they say morbo, which translates to morbidity. But they're talking about the extra morbo that this game has because, Joao well, Felix is on, on the other side now. And he scored a goal midweek? He did. Champions mm-hmm. League? Yep.
5: For Barista? Ooh, that's going to be a good one. Um, all right, that's Sunday morning. Guys, we're going to take another break. Ali Trost-Martin is going to be back with some more headlines when we
2: return. Don't move. It's only a kick.
5: Welcome back. Here's a look at your Friday footy fix. Um, We've got some Serie A action. Monza hosting Juventus at 2.45 p.m. You can watch that match right here on the Galazzo Network. But uh, this afternoon, a big one. Colón versus Gimnasia. Nico, can you tell us why
4: this one is important? Yeah, so it's not the Copa de la Liga. It's just a straight-up relegation playoff. Whoa. The loser between Colón and Gimnasia de la Plata... Will burn and rot for oh, as geez. long as they can in the fiery pits of relegation in the second division. Coming up, talk the about Simbin. morbidity. Coming up, the Simbin hot. Simbin
5: changed him. <laughs> Whoa! Man, that got dark.
4: <laughs> it's relegation. It's as dark as it gets. The worst
5: thing it's that can happen in football.
4: Nothing <laughs> than
5: relegation. Yeah. What did you say? The dark, fiery hell pits of,
4: of La Primera B. Oh my lord. No one wants to be in La Primera B.
5: Guys, it's just a game. Come on. <laughs> football is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. Let's have some fun. Maybe we will on Saturday. Um we've got Lazio taking on Cagliari at 12 p.m. on the Galazzo Network. Newcastle versus Manchester United. That'll be fun. 3 p.m. on USA. And then, guys, of course, we have the MLS Cup playoffs going on. Conference finals, that is on Saturday night, 6 p.m. and 9.30. You can watch those matches on Apple TV+. And then on Sunday, we've got, ooh, Feyenoord versus PSV. Bright and early on ESPN+. Plus, 6.15 a.m. That's going to be a good one, those. And then City taking on Tottenham at 11.30 a.m. That match on Peacock. All right. Let's send it on over to Allie. For some time. Oh, Allie,
3: you're in the fiery of of pits of, oh, of
5: the headlines.
4: Watch yourself Woo-hoo. over there. Right all in the right. Christmas spirit. Can you,
5: I, we did oh my God, it is December 1st, isn't it? It is. Oh Lord. Yeah.
6: Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Rents due, all the things. In MLS News, Lionel Messi, and Inter Miami have added another match to their preseason preparations in 2024, and it now includes a trip to Central America. The Herons will face the El Salvador national team in a friendly at Estadio uh, Cuscatlan in San Salvador on January 19th. And Messi's arrival in MLS this summer turned Inter-Miami into the hottest ticket in the league and that has not stopped heading into the new year. Just two weeks removed from the end of the 2023 season, Miami has sold out its season tickets for 2024. This comes despite the price of the ticket nearly doubling from 2023. Single match tickets will still be available once, this, uh, once the schedule is released, and Nico, there's been a lot of backlash, not just you know with Miami, but we see this across the league when, when ticket prices increase, none more so than inter Miami though. Are you surprised that their season tickets have swept up so quickly despite the increase in price so significant?
4: The definition of this is mm-hmm. price gouging right that hundred uh, percent on the surface and. There was a moment between La Familia, which is all the supporters groups together, that they did a, a protest. Essentially, uh, they staged a protest towards the club uh, and just to have a conversation. This was a couple months ago when they anticipated that the season ticket prices would rise. And I understand why Inter Miami does it. You have the best player in the world. You want to raise your prices. It it makes. That's how the market is, it just, it's, it's a little bit, just disappointing because MLS was, is so accessible. Mm-hmm. When sports in the United States has become uh, a spectacle for the rich, yep. because going to an NBA game, you're not dropping under hundred bucks here. It's like 150, 200 plus to go watch an NBA game. I don't know about NFL, but going to Miami Heat game is oh,
5: it's crazy It's like Yeah, exactly. I'm
4: I'm dropping a couple Benjamins just just for me, and it's like it makes me not want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously there's something going on here Air Miami that it's this craze for Messi. I, I don't know when was the last time you guys went to a Messi game, but people are obsessive about Messi. They will do anything. We saw yeah. it, we saw it happen around the league when he went on the road. People will do. Anything they will drop whatever price there is to go to a game and the thing is that in Miami knows that they can do that because that in Miami people have enough money to do so. Mm-hmm. In we saw we
0: saw it in Nashville with the League's Cup final. It was crazy. <laughs> as soon as Nashville beat Monterey in the League's Cup semifinal, literally within minutes, things just were unhinged, as Suze would say, within the organization. It was just nuts through the city. People were hitting all of us up like, yo, can I get tickets? Fam, I haven't talked to you in six years. (laughs) It it was it was crazy stuff. And I understand just through, you know, through the market why the prices go up. But when you talk about the Miami fans, they the the original diehard fans. As you know, Nico, a lot of them, they were there paying for the tickets Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Those fans, the hardcore fans, should should have been protected in this to be able to, you know, you can price fix for for certain people um, that have been with you, so they don't feel left out.
3: That loyalty um, should be rewarded.
5: Yeah, exactly. you shouldn't
3: be punished. Absolutely. Now, what a shame for like when I was a kid, going to RSL games was like my favorite thing to do on the weekends. And that also helped me fall in love with and say, I, you know, I want to be a professional soccer player. This mm-hmm. that was the most accessible thing to me to go watch soccer live. So. Imagine being a kid in Miami who's such a fan that never gets to go to a game. Like, I would have never been able to afford to go to most MLS games now, honestly. No. So it's a shame.
4: And, and that's just the economics of Miami. Miami has become unlivable for most Miamians because there's so mm. many people coming from outside. It's, it's, it's a similar concept, right? Right. M- Miamians are getting priced out of Miami. Mm. And this is a similar way. You have one of the hottest commodities in world football, which is Lionel Messi and... You'll raise the prices. There will be rich people that are around Miami that will be able to pay those prices because you can. I mean, it's economics. Uh, It it makes sense. Want to be around it. For for football, Mm -hmm. which is the the people's sport. It's always been the world sport. The people's sport.
5: Should we blame Messi for this? (laughs) Should we be angry at Messi?
0: Messi (laughs) is not to blame for anything. I'm kidding.
5: You can't help it. (laughs) Messi effect is real, y'all. All All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh Imbizo Zamane is going to join us on the other side. We're going to chat what is a very exciting title race in Brazil. That's up next. Welcome back. Well, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in Brazilian soccer right now, then you should be. An exciting title race is happening right now. Here's a look at the weekend fixtures, and I'm looking at that Sunday match, Palmeiras against Fluminense at 2 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus, right Nico?
4: Yep. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Botafogo Cruzeiro, Flamengo, Cuiaba.
5: A lot going on. Uh, so for more on this title race, we are very excited to bring in our good friend, Imbizo Zamane Mbizzo, always a delight to see you. We, we want to make sure that the people know you are an African soccer expert, as we well know, but you live in Brazil, which is why uh, you're a great person to talk to right now about this title
1: race. Thank you so much, folks. Yes, this is, this is home now, and I, I love it here.
5: OK, so we Nico has said that he's he can't remember a, a title race coming down to sort of these last few weeks and one that was exciting as as this one has been. For, do you agree with Nico that that this is sort of unprecedented?
1: I, I absolutely agree that this is probably one of the, the most hotly contested. Uh, finishes to the Brasileirao in quite some time. But actually, uh, this level of competitiveness uh, in Brazil is actually synonymous with the league. Uh, they, have a, they have a term down here called uh, puro suco brasileiro, which is the the nectar, the sweet nectar of all things that are cultural cornerstones of Brazil. And uh, one of them is the drama uh, that comes with uh, the, the, the competitiveness of the Brasileirao. Um, it's frequent that many teams are able to be victorious. And, and since the inception, there have been 17 different winners. So uh, this is a league whose competitiveness has produced some of the best players of all time, some of the best to do it. Uh, and uh, absolutely, this year is no different. But certainly, it's, uh, it's definitely more contested than,
4: than I remember in quite some time. Hey, what a delight in Bizo! We go from talking Chosa and zulu and bafana, bafana to falando português. Alô Inviso! O brasileiro, mano! Love it, love it. Listen, what are they talking about more in Brazil? The fact that Palmeiras is now top of the table again, or that Botafogo is producing one of the craziest bottle jobs. <laughs> in, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't just say in, in, in Brazilian football, I would say in, in world football in the last couple of years, this is easily the biggest downward spiral I can remember in a team. They led for 31 straight rodadas or match days. Yep. Absolutely. It's certainly the latter. Uh, I mean uh,
1: Palmeiras being one of the superior teams in Brazil is is certainly old news by this point in time so everyone expected them to be uh, in and around uh, this this uh, area towards the end of the season despite uh, them not having a, a sterling uh, one this time around but Botafogo Botafogo is uh, you know they, they are in all the news. I mean one their first 15 of 19 games. Uh, 14-point advantage, uh, and then recently uh, lost three. uh, I think they've won three of their last 15, and and they haven't won any of their last nine games. So uh, they've blown some huge leads uh and and let in some last minute equalizers on several occasions i think they were beating palmeiras themselves uh 3-0 lost 4-3 uh, they were beating gremio 3-1 lost 4-3 uh conceded a 90 i think a 99th minute equalizer or something like that versus uh, bragantino uh, 90th minute versus santos so you're looking at a team that has uh you know shown complete capitulation and it's unfortunate for the botafogo fans who haven't experienced and tasted success since 1995. Um, but it, it is a running joke that there's some things that happen in football that can only happen to Botafogo. And uh, that's being proved uh, absolutely correct on this occasion.
3: And Biso, no, I want to talk about the young star Endric from Pameros. Do you think that they're using him the best that they can? Because oftentimes he's coming off of the bench, but he's scoring ridiculous goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the right thing. I think a player at this age should certainly be given time uh, to develop and time to demonstrate what he's capable of. Uh, but also, it's important to uh, measure very carefully uh, the time that he spends on the pitch. And, and again, Brazilian is a very difficult competition. Uh, however, uh, there's an interesting anecdote, a hilarious anecdote about uh, when Palmeiras met uh, Botafogo and uh, the fans were chanting uh, champion, campeão, campeão. For a young player on Botafogo who just became Pan American Games champion. Uh, however, Hendrik misunderstood these chants, thinking that they were prematurely uh, claiming the Brasileirão. And this allegedly motivated him to bang his two goals and, uh, and to contribute to a third in order for them to, to uh, turn around and win the game. So uh, absolutely, the young man is in the right space at the right time, uh, with the right develop- uh, development around him, uh, both at club and country.
0: And in the same vein of of Palmeiras being at the top right now and Andriki, uh, everybody knows that side of it. Who do you think can also challenge them to bring this to the last day?
1: Uh, I think uh, you know Botafogo, of course, is still in it despite their uh, despite their woes. Uh, but I think it really will come down to uh, a triangular challenge between Palmeiras, uh, Flamengo, and Atlético Mineiro. Um, these are all, uh, of course, former winners. All very recently, Atlético Mineiro in uh, 2021. Uh, Flamengo and Palmeiras have obviously been dominant not only in the domestic scene but uh, also in uh, in South America as well, Copa Libertadores. So I think those are the three teams that you're looking at to. To really uh, push it to the
4: final day. So if Botafogo wins, that's in Rio. We don't care. If Flamengo wins, <laughs> that's in Rio. We don't care. If Atlético Mineiro wins, that's in Belo Horizonte. We don't yes, care. Nico, if yes. Palmeiras <laughs> wins, Bizo, party is on in Sao Paulo. Tell me what you're doing for the <laughs> celebrations because four points out of the next six, they can get it done. Come on, Mbizo, What are you? What are you doing if Palmeiras wins? <laughs> Uh, well, you uh, again. You'll
1: be disappointed to hear, my friend, that uh, I'm, you know, I am a Flamengo fan. And uh, oh, yeah. uh, they say, yes, <laughs> they say in Sao Paulo, uh, there's a running joke as well about Palmeiras, uh, and this is just uh, another insight into the level of Brazilian football. That Palmeiras não tem mundial, which is uh, Palmeiras doesn't have a, a World Club Championship. So uh, they are actually the butt of most jokes uh, in the Paulista regions. So uh, they'd be looking to, to clinch a title, uh, go to the world championships and, and to try to really uh, push for that title as well.
5: All right. And Bezo, before we let you go, we would be remiss not to show off that kit that you are wearing right now. Can you? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> the king. The king.
1: Oh, hey. Oh. The king.
5: Where did you get this? <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I got this from the people. This is certainly not something you buy in a, you know, a fancy upper class store. And this is a this is a kit gotten from the proletariat. So uh, I'm delighted to wear it.
5: It has jersey. to be done sometimes, though, you know, sometimes they're just Absolutely. too good. It's like, oh, yeah. And it's not, it's oh, not, it's not the real thing, but it's yeah. the real thing. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, but it's the real
1: thing. <laughs> exactly.
5: Oh, I love it. Oh, Embizo. it's always such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend.
1: Thank you very much.
5: All right, guys, we are going to take another break. We're going to chat uh, a pair of friendlies for the U.S. Women's National Team when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back, the U.S. Women's National Team in the midst of their final camp of the year ahead of a couple upcoming friendlies against China. One of those matches tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern on TNT, and then on December 5th uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, we've got Darian at the desk. So we, we chatted with Lowe yesterday about some of the young players that she's excited that are getting an opportunity in this camp. For you, who are you excited to watch?
3: I'm excited to see Jenna Nicewonger. Jaden Shaw, Mia Official, Olivia Moultrie, and my girl Jane Campbell. Okay. She's not one of the younger players back in camp, but I think she's had such an incredible season in the NWSL goalkeeper of the freaking year, so well-deserved. And it's her first camp since November 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jane and I actually grew up going to youth national team camps together, played against each other in college and in my pro career. Um, And she's always been incredible. She's so good with her feet, playing out of the back. She's smart, she's a leader. So I think it's the perfect time to bring her in. She's in such good form, has great confidence right now, and it's very well-deserved. But besides her, all of these young guns coming in because the last time we saw them come and play, we saw so much chemistry between Mia Fischel, Alyssa Thompson, Jaden Shaw, and so I think building on that with these attacking prowess that the U.S. has is going to be great for these rookies.
5: It feels like it's kind of a, a changing of the guard right now. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I, am I am I correct in in sort of that mentality of like there's this sort of like younger generation coming up, and then like like an Alyssa Nair who's been sort of the the stalwart goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not phasing her out, but they're you're starting to see other younger players emerge. Is that the the point that we're at with the U.S. Women's National Team right now?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and then you have Emma Hayes coming in who she's spoken in depth about how the U.S. needs to look at our youth programming a lot more and be developing our younger players to be in these positions where we're still the top because the U.S. the last few years has kind of fallen from this championship mindset, I think, that we've always had and we've lost it. So Mm -hmm. I think with Hayes coming in, developing these young players, giving them opportunities and putting them in positions that are uncomfortable. And with U.S. soccer, kind of making U.S. soccer uncomfortable in general, because there's always been this kind of rigid structure U.S. soccer has always had, especially on the women's side. She's going to shake this up and challenge all of this. So I think that first being changing the squad with these younger players, hopefully seeing a formation change, style of play, having a little bit more bite and that championship mindset back into this team is gonna be really effective.
5: What are you, what are you hearing? From your from your sources about uh, no <laughs> <sources. their>
3: players <laughs> players first impressions.
4: You're a journalist about, now. Yeah, yeah, I
2: know exactly, mm-hmm. but
5: because but she, she came over, she's not going to be mm-hmm. at these matches. But she came over to to meet the the players and sort of introduce yourself. So what what are you hearing from the players in terms of their impressions of her and how she's relating to this group? Yeah,
3: I mean, what we're hearing, seeing is that she's very kind. She wants to get to know everyone, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, I'm. Glad that she's very kind and is nice, but I think what we're, <laughs> what I'm really wanting to see is you've seen clips of her talking about her players where she's very critical. Mm-hmm. She is not afraid to hurt your feelings. She'll put you in your place. She'll let you know when you're not good enough. And I actually think that's what this national team has been missing for a really long time. I think there's been a lot of accountability. Account- has not v- been... Vladko was too nice? Yeah. Too nice. I think he's too nice. I think there's a lot of power dynamics as well that are... People tiptoe around, and I don't think she's afraid to just Mm. kind of wipe that out. Yeah, Um, and she has the experience to back everything that she's saying. So, her coming in, rocking the ship, having a clean slate, and I think you know, getting on everyone's good side. Obviously, she's a good person, of course. But I do think she's going to hold everyone accountable, Uh and it's going to be really good for the future of U.S. soccer. I want to ask both of you,
5: as players, when you have a coach that you're a little bit scared of. Does that bring out the the best in you? Was that was that a, a person? Was that a dynamic that that you flourished under, Jaleel?
0: Yeah, I would say first and foremost with Emma Hayes, I I like the fact that the federation has really given her. It seems like the 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 tools and the 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 longevity in the mm. future to be mm-hmm. able to 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 bring the these U.S. women's national team where all of us want to see it get back to. I think. That's super, super important because you can have a manager of her prowess, maybe not have the power that she needs to go into a situation to revamp it, Mm -hmm. but that's not the case here. So that for me is hugely important and a major reason why I'm extremely excited about how she's gonna be able to orchestrate this whole project. And then to answer your question specifically, Suze, yes, I think a dynamic of a little bit of, of year mm-hmm. of your manager and it, it makes you play better mm-hmm. because you know that the stakes are super high you're on a day-to-day basis you are demanded to be at your best that's what Emma Hayes gets out of her, her players yep. um, and you can see how even her players at Chelsea right now they're responding to her, the news of her leaving in May in a way where they're extremely sad that mm-hmm. she's going to leave. But you can tell they have ultimate respect huge for her respect. and wish her the best. Mm-hmm. That is a huge sign that she's she's destined for greatness when it comes to the U.S. women's national team, and I'm I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait.
3: And they're scoring Chelsea is scoring a ton of goals, and they're saying it's because she's leaving. We're we're putting goals away. We're wanting to solidify the season and Champions League. Um, but yeah, I love that she's just gonna rock everything up in U.S. soccer, mm-hmm. and I like the touch of fear. I think. It demands respect, it demands that you have to show up and be at your best, and mm-hmm. if you're not, you're just not gonna play. And that's what's been needed in this federation for a long time. That's what I try to do at this desk every day. <laughs> yeah. Just,
4: you know, you should. Nico. You should cuss, you should cuss <laughs> out Alexis and Charlie <laughs> when, like Emma Hayes did in that Chelsea clip that went viral.
5: That's right. All right, we're gonna take a break. Um, we've got plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return after a quick time out, Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Morning Footy. It's Friday, which means it's time to make some footy wagers with the one and only Jimmy Conrad. Oh, look at him rocking the Dynamo <laughs> What's kit.
2: Up? What's up? How are you, hey? Great to see everybody. Big, I- I'm doing awesome. Yeah. The MLS playoffs have been they keep on giving. They've lasted like 18 months, so I'm really excited to see <laughs> how this happening. one is going to all play out. Yeah, Eight it's great. is crazy. It's like an um, advent calendar.
5: It is. It literally is. Jimmy, uh, before we get into our our bets for the weekend, there, you're on a new podcast with, I am. with yes. Charlie it, and Jesse. What's it? Call it. Call it what you want. Is that call what it what is? you
2: want. You, you can even rename it if you want, Susanna. It doesn't even matter. We we have a podcast. We're excited, obviously. Me and Chuck have done some podcasting together in the past. And to add Jesse Martian into the mix is really special. Obviously, he's he's coached a lot of the players in the national team player pool. And, and to just have a U.S. Men's national team focused podcast with Jesse coming in with his voice and, and what he brings to the table, I think, will be really special.
5: Yeah, we cannot wait to uh, check that out. All right, guys, let's get into our, our bets for the weekend. Here's a look at the standings. And um, Jimmy, Jimmy leading the charge, Charlie. Oh, Charlie! Not a surprise. I, I actually hit on my bet last weekend. I'm still in the red, but you know, slow and steady wins the race. So, um, in that vein, Jimmy, give us your give us your pick for the weekend.
2: Oh, I get to go first because I'm in first. I yeah. like how this works, Susanna. Okay, <laughs> so I am gonna go MLS. I've been riding this gravy train for a while, and. What's interesting is that there was someone that gave me some really good advice when betting world cup, knockout round games, that most of those games are under two and a half goals. Mm. And I didn't take that into consideration when the MLS playoffs went to a single round format, every single game in the last round of the MLS last weekend under two and a half goals. So I'm going to go with that trend again. I like FC Cincinnati and Columbus though. There's a lot of fireworks between these two teams and they have a lot of attacking talent. I like under two and a half goals. I think it's going to be super tight. And then I'm also going to go under two and a half goals with the Houston Dynamo, who are very good defensively anyway, and LAFC. You put those two together, it's plus 243. Put $50 on that, $171 coming my way. Thank you very much.
5: Good bet. Good bet, Jimmy. Um, All right, Nico,
4: you're up.
2: Yeah, Arsenal to win against Wolves.
4: I'm confident in them. Inter to win or draw at Napoli. Playing on the safe side. Mm -hmm. And then Adama Demirspor in Turkey, that's sitting fourth in the Super League, playing one of the worst teams In Samsung Sport 19th on the table to win. Add those together plus 204, put 40 bucks on that, you get 122 back. Nice.
2: Yeah, that's a good one.
5: All right. I like uh... that one a lot. Jaleel, you're going to give Alexis's bet since he's not here.
4: Alexis
0: went safe here. He has uh, Real Madrid Shocker. winning against Granada. <laughs> and then <laughs> Bayern to win against Jürgen Berlin.
5: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. The, the, does <laughs> he lose money betting on that? Like it's if He for hits, real. I think that He
5: wins $17. Exactly.
0: $50 <laughs> oh, oh, to God. negative $228 to win $67. Boom. Come on, Nico. That's not gambling. Alexis. Alexis. He's Come not gambling. Nico. That what does, do
2: not, that does it? not be defined Charlie's
3: Not Char- Charlie needs an up. He has Everton to win versus Nottingham Forest Ugh, to win against Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Brentford to win against Luton. Fifty dollars at plus six thirty six to win three hundred and sixty. I mean, he needs it. That would put him back in the green. Whoa. It would. Oh man, Charlie, I'm, I'm Those praying are for trap you. Games. Okay. Trap games. <laughs>
5: trap games, Charlie. So I've got uh, I've got Cincy and Columbus both teams to score. Mm-hmm. I've got Juventus mm-hmm. to beat Monza at Monza, mm-hmm. and I've got Villa mm-hmm. to beat Bournemouth at Bournemouth. Thirty bucks at plus five five sixty six to win two hundred bucks.
0: Hey, that's hey. a great
2: bet. I don't know. Coming in hot. Good bet. Right. I like I, that one. That, that Monza Juve one, though. I know. I know That's the one, one that, that makes me a little nervous.
5: And that's this afternoon at 2.45. So, like, my, my bet could be dead in the water. Before the weekend even
2: starts.
5: Let's go. Let's go. You're out of the sin bin for that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's
5: go. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in all week. Thank you, Darian. Thank you, Jaleel. Thank you, Jimmy Conrad. Have a fantastic right, weekend, everyone. We'll see you Monday.